0: Uh, I've gotten mad at spoons again. Uh, oh. cuz in lockdown too, uh, I had a conversation with my mum about the teaspoons in our cabinet and I ranked my favorite teaspoons last okay. year.
1: That sounds about right.
0: But now I'm like actually getting mad when I pick out a teaspoon and it's not the one that I want. <laughs> I remind fucking it... insane.
1: Oh my god. It reminds me of this one spoon that I have that I've had since like I was three and it's a spoon with Bob the Builder like a Bob the Builder on it. And it's my favorite spoon I like to use when eating cereal. Yes. And lasagna and frozen lasagna. It's the it's like the best spoon for eating those two dishes. Um, and it just makes it just makes eating food a much incredible experience yes. and just such a wonderful experience because it's all about the spoon, right? It is.
0: And it's all about the spoon with what you're eating and what you're using it for.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Spoons are important. But, okay. Opinions uh, okay. I never thought I would have. Uh, anyways, it's been a hot minute since we've been on this podcast. We've been swamped with work, uni, being having a life but yeah like i feel like whenever there is a lockdown we always just come back to this podcast because it's just such i know because we've started in lockdown and now we're kind of still continuing in lockdown and last episode we actually did it for the first time in person and it was just such a weird experience this episode we're going to be speaking about falcon the winter soldier I'm your host Mon,
0: and I'm your co-host Nick.
1: And welcome to. As a film student, we've always wanted to kind of talk about uh, *Falcon with the Soldier* because that is the gayest show to ever exist. Oh, fuck <laughs> no, just kidding. It it really isn't. There's a lot of queer baiting. There's a lot of weird shit that happens. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna deconstruct it because next week the Loki show will be coming on Loki Wednesdays. Well, Loki Wednesdays.
0: By the time this is out, it will be this week. So this week,
1: mm-hmm. exactly. I'm excited. I'm actually kind of excited. It looks very interesting. It looks very different. It looks very different from Falcon in no. the fucking Winter Soldier. Uh, but
0: I can't. I cannot get over this. I've messaged multiple group chats about it. I cannot get over how shitty the poster for Loki looks.
1: Oh my god! Yes, his head is so badly photoshopped. It is okay. As okay, I'm saying this. I know this is a podcast for film students, but as a design student. I'm just saying, that is atrocious. That's not even like good design. I don't, um, it's just everything clashes with each other. The colors clash with each other. The logo itself is such a mess. I uh, look, I, I like the spirit. Like, the concept is great, but the execution is just discussion. It, it's disgusting. I hate it. And, like, yes, Loki stole all the things. Haha, <laughs> it's a Loki thing. Shut up. It's ugly. Like, I hate it. I also hated the Falcon and the Winter Soldier poster as well. I'm not a big fan of it. Actually, I think it's I think I hate all a generic... of Sorry. Okay, Except to WandaVision.
0: Oh, WandaVision was good. Yeah.
1: Okay, WandaVision oh, is amazing. And,
0: and the really stylistic ones for Thor Ragnarok, where it's just yes. those bursts of colour. Those mm-hmm. were good.
1: I, I love that. I, I really love it when Marvel actually experiments with their advertising and their marketing and not like the stock standard. Here's a poster of a superhero in front of a white background and he's doing a superhero pose and not looking at the camera but he's actually looking away at the camera because he's thinking about yeah. how his parents are both dead. They're all just and looking up and just... to
0: the right, looking real noble and all that shit. And it's like, I don't fucking, it's boring.
1: Exactly, it's boring. But back to Falcon the Winter Soldier, this is a show that has been very important to me when I was younger, because I, my introduction, everybody knows that my introduction to Marvel was actually through Bucky Barnes. And, th- and so this is basically my show. Like, this is made for me, except I watched it and I absolutely hated it. Well, it
0: was made for somebody because people liked it. I did I'm not. Surprised. And for a while, I felt like I was going absolutely fucking insane. Because everyone was just like, "Oh, how good was that episode? How good was?" I'm just sitting there like, "Are we
1: watching the same show?" I I I absolutely agree with you because I I I'm I'm a Bucky Stan. Like I was a Bucky Stan. I'm still kind of a Bucky. stan. I am stan. no
0: longer a Bucky Stan, <laughs> just because of <laughs> the show. Is-
1: I it's so weird because like I everybody knows that I was so big on Bucky Barnes during the height of Tumblr and I'm meaning and so I was on during the pre-porn ban and I loved it it was amazing had such a nice community I wrote fan fiction I did fan art for Bucky well my fan fictions on Wattpad over 400k readers i'm so proud of it it's probably the one thing like, if i died that would be my legacy right there is my 400k bucky x reader fan diction that's my legacy wait wait, wait quick question that is... quick question yes okay, okay okay, uh
0: when you say bucky t- slash reader did you write it in second person or did you put your name
1: your name Oh <laughs> Your <no>! name. <laughs> i
0: always fucking hate like going to character slash reader and then it's like your name oh the worst one was like he stares into your eye color eyes
1: (laughs) it's really bad it's it's there's one time i wrote it and i actually this was right after i learned what mitosis and meiosis was in year 10 biology (laughs) class and i was pretending to be a scientist and i i basically used all my knowledge i learned from year 10 biology mitosis and meiosis and all of this weird like, you know, terms, and I just put it in my fanfiction because I wanted <laughs> to sound smart I wanted to be scientifically accurate. And it was
0: not... like, <laughs> Why are you gonna be scientifically accurate? Girl, <laughs> what, bad, what <laughs> one bad novel? I want to read that now. I don't read, but I'd read that.
1: The reason why I was also really into um, writing fanfiction was Stucky. <gasps> and if you guys don't know what Stucky is, get the fuck man. off our
0: podcast. Go
1: away man boy oh boy you're in for a ride all right steve's he's going to go back to his old flame who turns out like why would you want to go back for like a hundred a hundred year old pussy like that 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 would be ashy i mean peggy's cute though i like peggy she's a badass i love her but like why steve when you have bucky like you did all of that for bucky and then you're gonna go back and leave him alone yeah
0: like that's weird literally literally all of the Captain America movies are about Steve just doing shit for Bucky. And then he just gives it up because they need to sell this movie to China so they can't be gay.
1: I know. It's just... Do you remember... Oh, my God. Do you remember when there was a movement in 2016 in Tumblr called Make Steve Bisexual and Gay?
0: No. I actually did an assignment on that.
1: Dude, I oh did. My
0: God. Me, Khan, and Maddie did an assignment. Were you in that class?
1: No, I wasn't. We did
0: an assignment <laughs> on um the Make... Steve, captain america gay let him have a boyfriend so like and we called ourselves team cap
1: oh <laughs> my god re- i love that really cute.
0: we actually did university research on that shit
1: <laughs> no oh reason. my god because the fact that like people really ra- like rallied together and unionized to fucking make Captain America gay and you have all these homophobes They're like no Captain America's a straight man. he's a straight man and I'm, in the comics he's ca- canonically bisexual.
0: I mean, I feel like it depends what kind of comic because sometimes the comics have fucked it majorly.
1: Yeah and also that one time they made Captain America Nazi. yeah it's weird it's, it's weird because like because it's Pride Month, it's funny how we're kind of talking about Captain America being gay. Where we also canonically believe that Bucky Barnes is actually gay. There's many reasons why he's gay. And I'm so mad they didn't make him gay in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And there's moments in the show where, like, Sam and Bucky get very close together. And they play it off as if it's like a bromance, as if it's like, oh my god, they're just two bros. I don't know, how funny would it be if they just, like, touch each other's leg and they landed on top of each other after they fell, after, like, after they fall, like, and Sam is on top of Bucky. Oh my God, guys, that is, like, so, like, hetero, like... Yeah,
0: no, that no homo stuff is kind of weird because I get that it's, like, trying to show them building the bromance, the the platonic relationship between two men. The fact that they use ha they're gay as a punchline really shows the hand of the person who's writing it. They think that if it makes it look like it's gay then it's funny making gay being a punchline like that's fucked
1: it is fucked and also the fact that like a lot of people who do love bucky also love the fact that he is kind of a character that is quite queer coded
0: oh yeah since day dot
1: exactly like his relationship with steve has always been very queer coded and a lot of like queer people that i know love bucky because of that and they see a sort of weird representation with that and Disney has a track record of never really having a gay character when they do have a gay character. Like, haha, this is a side character and they're gay. Yeah,
0: like Beauty and the Beast, uh, Lafu I feel like every two years we have that, oh, Disney finally has its first gay character. I'm just like, wait, this is deja vu. Disney had its first gay character like ages ago. No, they didn't. Exactly. Disney never has a gay character because they want to sell the movie to international audiences where progressivism isn't profitable
1: in infinity war there is literally a gay silent character that one of the fucking russo brothers and he's just like yeah my partner he's a man and i lost him ha ha. and it's like okay disney's first gay, marvel's first gay character ha ha ha. when it's so weird that bucky has been so queer coded for such a long time and then when you switch it up and like oh he's actually hetero he actually like you know goes on dates with women and he tries online dating when you've specifically made him a queer coded character See, it just doesn't with make Bucky, sense i find
0: it interesting because like months ago i don't know why i mm. remember this but <laughs> you, you said that you reckon he should be a little bit more racist because he was born oh. in the 1940s and i yeah, reckon I f- that's what he's doing is kind of like him being just a victim of compulsory heterosexuality because he was born in the 1940s and i feel like mm. that would be a really interesting theme to delve into except nobody has the balls to delve into that shit
1: and the thing is because marvel is it's filled with a lot of you know comic bros that jack themselves off because they're fucking they hate the gays they're like fuck women women suck i hate captain marvel i hate carol i hate carol danvers and i hate brie larson oh my god she's such a it bitch it sucks because so it's not
0: a good movie it doesn't suck because she's a woman
1: it isn't the best movie, but they blame everything solely on the fact that Brie Larson is acting. Fuck! It'd be just
0: as boring if it was a bloke doing it, though.
1: Exactly, exactly, right. And I think something very interesting about the characterisation of these characters in *Falcon of the Soldiers* it doesn't match up to kind of what how they should be characterised at all. Like maybe my maybe it's my opinion and it's my bias because I loved Bucky for so long that and I've seen him characterized in a way that I don't like I just completely like shut up to it I'm like no this is not how he's characterized like this is not how it should be but at the same time like I'm glad they're delving into the therapy scene like I'm glad he's like oh he's got like PTSD and he's a veteran and oh my god like I understand that but at the same time it's like he's a man that is from the 1940s and him and Steve should both be like this they're from the nine forties. this is basically this is basically in jim crow era pre-civil rights movement and he's just suddenly best friends with sam and you can see there is some racial there is some racial undertones there with his, like his relationship with sam which i will get into later on but with bucky it just it's just that show didn't have enough time to get into his plot. And that's basically the entire theme of the this entire episode. The problem with Falcon and the Winter Soldier is not because Bucky isn't gay. No, no. It's the fact that there's just too many characters. There's too many plot lines, too many themes. And none of it gets resolved at the end. And when it is resolved, it's resolved in like either one line, one episode. It just doesn't make sense and it kind of falls flat.
0: Yep. The whole thing... This is the overarching theme, like you said, is the writing. It fails on every single level, from one line to the next, from one page to the next in the script. It is so sloppily constructed that it gave me a fucking aneurysm every time I watched it. People were getting paid to write this. And I'm no GP, but I want to come in there and be a script doctor. It made me confident in my writing abilities. I haven't written for fucking months. <laughs> I was so mad just just at the script. I don't care about the characters. I, I care about the cinematography a little bit, like that therapy scene in the first episode where it was just so close to Bucky's face for no cinematic reason like the, there's not enough to justify you doing that okay but most of it is the writing for me it's it's the writing
1: exactly i actually i'm going to agree with you as well for me it's the character but i feel like the writing also contributes to the characterizations which contributes to the entire plot which contributes to the themes and it basically is kind of a domino effect with everything and that's what i actually do agree with is that the characterizations of these characters aren't the best like they're 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 very like some of the characters are very one-dimensional
0: okay the 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 dialogue it's cringe it is cringe
1: it is it actually is like there's one point where they just reference a lot of pop culture like bucky references pop culture and it's like oh my god he's an old man and he watches lord of the rings and star I wars was the Hobbit he must be the nerd in
0: 1937 when it came out i wanted to die i swear to god no and let's let's be real the acting doesn't help. The acting in this is not good.
1: It's not I don't like it. There is some points where I'm like, yeah, this acting's pretty good. Oh, like i l- remember, Isaiah.
0: That acting's yeah. good.
1: Isaiah Bradley, I forgot the actor's name actually, but I loved that. I I, I will go in I will go through in much detail later on about how Isaiah Bradley is probably the best character in that entire show and how he, although he does not have a lot of screen time actually represents a lot of the themes I'll be talking about later.
0: Yeah, and uh, speaking of the the, the screen time, the fucking structure just kills me. Mm -hmm. This is about, like, six hours of content, and there are too many villains and plot threads where it's very loaded. So you've got, like, just primary stuff where it's Bucky adjusting to living in the new world it's sam trying to pick up the mantle of captain america and then you've got john walker also being captain america and then you've got carly Morgenthau as well and sharon Sharon carter
1: carter is there it's and then and zemo's there And Zemo, it's too much and and then it's the dormerage
0: yeah cut out at least two of those things and then you have something that's semi-coherent but as it is it's It's like fitting... 10 pounds of shit into a 5 pound bag.
1: It's just the show has so many characters that you actually can't focus on all of them at once. Like with Bucky, I'm gonna be honest, he isn't as well developed as I reckon Sam is. Sam is quite well developed Zemo is very well developed He's a character
0: that just kind of gets put on a bus at the end of Civil War and he actually comes back and he's developed and he's the best part of this series
1: Like Zemo is the best character in that show because he's I think he's written quite He's consistent. He's
0: written consistently.
1: Yeah, and I actually really enjoy I like I like that he came out from being like a soldier who's lost his family and now he's just a rich sugar daddy and he's just like his coat, he just walks around, he's just like okay so he's danced oh my god it's so cute the zemo cut give us a zemo they cut they gave us the um, zemo
0: cut it wasn't worth it because then they gave us the rest of the shitty series.
1: <laughs> but honestly i actually just adore zemo and i actually really like his conviction like mm. i like the fact that he has drive he actually has a motive you know like he actually has yeah. a motive and so his motive is to basically destroy like super soldiers and to not let them like not let people who are enhanced live and
0: one of the good moments of the show is when he's he has the vial like in his possession and he just goes no bam and destroys it he could have taken it for himself but he is so adherent to his moral code and i think that's a pretty easy character to write though a character who is has a moral code and won't bend from it my standards are so low for the show that i will give it praise for writing the easiest character imaginable it's
1: it's true because like like his entire country was destroyed by enhanced people and so of course he has a motive to destroy that and to not let them live again the only reason why he doesn't want to kill bucky is because bucky was enhanced without his consent and so he like bucky does not he he didn't want it he didn't want the super soldier serum but these people actually took it for themselves selfishly because they wanted to and so he has every right to be against the flag smashers and i like that motive i he's consistent he's good and he's enjoyable to watch when he's asking like do you guys want a turkish delight i'm like Uh oh i love that
0: i swear i have not been that horny for turkish delight since the chronicles of narnia
1: i know but i just i really love zemo in that way and that's like i'd say one of the best parts of the show is just seeing him develop and the ending where he accepts the fact that he did what he had to do Mm And the fact that you have that weird smirk in the ending where he knows those, you know, the rest of the flag yeah. smashes are dead. Oh, right. And it's like, he's still, How weird he's was that, still,
0: though?
1: I mean, it's a bit the weird. Butler. But like,
0: like, where did the butler come from? <laughs> and why is he still wearing those white gloves? And just, I don't understand. And just being so obviously... <laughs> The butler did it.
1: It's. I actually like that though. I like the fact that like he has the final. He he basically has the final say. Like he's like I won in the end. It doesn't matter if I'm in prison. I just won in the end. Look, the dermatologist took me in, and I don't give a fuck because I killed. I I did what I had to do, and that's like a beginning and ending. Mm. And that's just such a good character You're in right. general
0: he's one of the only he is i think the only character who has an arc
1: the entire show that's his arc and i love that and then bucky barnes's arc is i don't know i don't know what his arc is why is he helping sam destroy super soldiers he just wants to live his life and being a normal person why why is he helping sam i i don't understand okay and 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 obviously bucky's very very adamant that sam should take the mantle but Mm. why because at
0: the end of Endgame, Cap specifically gave the shield to Sam, and that's that's what made people mad in the first one. Like the only bit they were mad about is the fact that he immediately gave the shield away. This, then it's like the whole series is about him getting the shield back and oh, can we just the costume at the end of episode 6? It was ugly! It was so ugly, and I... It might be comic accurate, but fuck! <laughs> things that work on the page don't always work on the screen. I am—I just looked at that and I was like, am I having a seizure? Am I seeing what I'm seeing? Is this the new Captain America? It's not good. And you know me, I do not have an eye for graphic design. I don't have an eye for fashion, obviously. I don't have an eye for any of that. And even I look at that and I'm like... That's the ugliest fucking thing I've ever seen. It
1: is, but at the same time, it is comic book accurate, and I don't mind it. I think it was fine because a lot of the other suits that were made aren't really comic book accurate, and people are always no. But who out. the like...
0: fuck cares about comic book accuracy though <laughs> when it looks shit? <laughs>
1: i actually like that's comic book accurate though I, really, I, I don't think, care I, I think i think the colors clash i don't like the colors but i like the white i don't think it's that bad okay i don't think it's that bad no i i i do like back to sam's arc. i do like his entire arc though i like the arc of him trying to wrestle with the identity of being an african-american mm-hmm. and i'm gonna be honest race has always been something that i am very passionate about i'm very i'm a huge advocate of anti-racism but the thing is everything I am want to say now I'm not black in any way I'm not African American I'm not I don't have any African ancestry so everything I'm saying I did a lot of thorough research about it and I took a lot of um, I'd say I, I took a lot of my ideas from African American writers who I will actually credit down below in the sources I as soon as I watched the show I liked that they delve into race which is the bare minimum I know I know but what they did is actually very different to what Black Panther did. Black Panther talked about African, the African diaspora, and they talked about a lot of the hidden intricacies of American slavery and, and and how Africans were kind of taken away from their homelands and kind of forced to be a slave and forget their own identity. For this one, this show actually has a distinct focus on American identity and What it does, what Disney tries to do, is that they try to critique American imperialism by upholding American imperialism. And that's one of the huge critiques about this show is because it portrays race in a very interesting and weird way. Sam acknowledges that he's a black man. The the, the large reason why he doesn't want to take the mantle is because he knows that he is a black man in America. And if he took it, he would be accepting the imperial past of america the bloody genocidal horrific past of america and as a black man he knows that and the reason why the 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 connection between bucky Barnes, a white man from 1940s who lived during the time Jim crow and the pre-civil rights movement telling him that he isn't like he should just take the mantle it doesn't matter like why aren't you taking the mantle Bucky himself, as a white man, does not acknowledge and realise that he is basically upholding that white ignorance that even Steve Rogers also has as well. And Steve Rogers has a very complicated legacy to follow. He's a man that was once respected and then later on was treated as a vigilante and then respected again, then, you know, he's a vigilante. Like, he has a very complicated legacy. And obviously, this goes back to John Walker and Sam Wilson, And why I think John Walker, I like the inclusion of him in the show makes sense in a really weird way. Because John Walker and Sam Wilson are basically the antithesis to one another. Bucky, whilst Bucky Barnes upholds white ignorance, John Walker actually upholds white supremacy without actually realizing it. What John Walker does is that he, although has an, you know, an African-American sidekick named Battlestar and so what you see in John Walker is that you see the banality of white supremacy and how he kind of approaches the world He is aggressive. He is very ignorant just because he is he basically is that guy that's like Oh, I can't be racist because I have a black friend. My best friend is black. I can't be a racist but he basically Treats Sam Wilson as if Sam is just another person that he can have in his like group he wants Sam to be his sidekick because Captain America, Steve Rogers, had Sam as his sidekick. He just wanted to uphold Captain America's mantle by just having Sam as his sidekick. And it's funny how because, how he has Lamar as his sidekick the same way Steve Rogers has Sam Wilson as his sidekick. It's upholding that level of white supremacy. And it's also the fact that John Walker believes that the reason why he got the mantle in the first place isn't because he's white. Blonde haired and blue eyed, because in the eyes of America, that is what is seen as the perfect representation of America is that kind of Aryan, you know, look. But he does not realize that. He doesn't realize that privilege that he got by the way he looked. He believed that he got the mantle because he put in the work. He put in the hard work to get the mantle when in reality, he didn't realize that he got the mantle because he is white. And in a way that upholds this kind of white supremacy thinking that he doesn't think that race really matters. He thinks that hard work matters and he doesn't recognize how difficult it is for Sam to actually uphold this mantle that is against the the very being of who he is. I feel like this is a very complex and hard thing to represent. But I feel like the show does represent this, but I don't think it's in the best way because uh, it's just John Walker basically is an angry, disgusting beta male who like murdered a person and actually got away with it.
0: I feel like it's interesting though, because you mentioned all that and I feel like there's another layer on top of that. And that's the fact that uh, Steve Rogers wanted to join the military because he wanted to fight Nazis. Good cause fight Nazis, but John Walker, we don't know why he joined the military, we just know that he's in the military, I mean, given that it's set in the 21st century, he either joined the military because he's a cunt, or he joined the military because he wanted free healthcare and university. Now, I don't think he wanted university. I think that it's really interesting because, you know, you look at movies that are really critical of the current military presence, the military-industrial complex of the United States, mm-hmm. and you see how they make that kind of person. And that's the what the, the guy in uh, The First Avenger said to Steve Rogers. You're not a good soldier, you're a good person. John Walker is a good soldier, which adds to his, you know, character, I guess, which is a really good antithesis, like you said, to Sam. And I reckon if they were going to drop one of the plot lines then I wouldn't drop the John Walker one. I'd drop the Carly Morgenthau
1: one. Exactly. Because I feel like the Carly Morgenthau one just doesn't relate to this idea at all. Because I love the idea of wrestling with the, uh, you know, the legacy of Captain America. Because the the legacy of Captain America was built on on racism. Mm. It was built on... Like Captain America was meant to be the bona fide white, you know, like that white representation of America. What
0: America thinks it is, as opposed to John Walker, which is what America actually is.
1: Exactly. And what I find really interesting is that the history of America has been basically like erased to fit a white narrative. And that's something that's very interesting and why I'm going to talk about um bradley it's because Isaiah bradley represents what america has erased and what america has erased is the history of black lives being experimented on have been tortured and when sam discovers this it adds a new layer to kind of his thinking to continue with Isaiah bradley and the fact that america has such a dark and horrific past with The experimentation of African and black bodies is actually something that is real. And it's something that many people don't know exists. Nick, have you heard of the Tuskegee syphilis study?
0: No, but I heard of LSD. Wait, no. Was it LSD? Project something. They have done a lot of drug testing on their citizens without consent.
1: Exactly. So between the years 1932 and 1972, the Tuskegee syphilis study was a United States public health service and center for disease control, conducted an ethical and illegal clinical trial on 600 African-American men recruited from Tuskegee University, Alabama. And basically, 399 of them had latent syphilis alongside a control group of 201 men were free from infection now these men were actually promised free state sanctioned healthcare but neither the phs nor the cdc ever informed the infected men about their diagnosis and in fact they were not even given penicillin which became the most common mode of treatment for syphilis from the 1950s onwards and what was even more fucked was actually pl- placebos were passed off as real medicine and given to african-american men as well there's more 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 examples of these things happening in american history that we don't even know about where americans white americans white america has experimented illegally without consent on african and black bodies and it w- it's really messed up that happens and i'm glad that the show actually acknowledges the fact that black bodies have been experimented on. I actually will credit them on that. It's just really sad that Azai Bradley was a very torn character and was a representation of what America had done to him as the first black super soldier and how he basically, in the Korean War, saved his entire group of people. But he was, instead of being congratulated, he was sent to prison and he was sent to be experimented for decades and years. Bucky Barnes did not want to tell anyone. Steve Rogers didn't even know. The American government hid all of his files, hid his entire existence away. And in the last episode, Sam Wilson actually, he basically has, he basically gives Zaya Bradley another chance to tell his story. He tells the world of of America's first black super soldier. And I think that's a very good and very wonderful and very powerful scene is when you see Isaiah Bradley staring at a statue of himself. And it's the first time that he's being honored and acknowledged for his service. And that's what a lot of veterans go through. A lot of veterans in the Vietnam War who were black, weren't even congratulated and weren't even acknowledged. And they were forced to just go to a war where their own brothers were getting killed in America, they were their other their other brothers were getting killed in Vietnam, fighting for a country that does not care about them, and that's very very interesting to me. And it's a theme it's a theme that really really hurts you,
0: especially because when you think about Vietnam and Korea, those are wars that didn't even need to be fought by America. Those were proxy wars in the Cold War, and none of those Americans, Australians, and other allied forces needed to be there. Those were just them interfering in civil wars.
1: Bucky also represents that ignorance, that kind of hidden knowledge. Bucky did not tell Sam, did not tell Steve, did not tell anybody about the existence of Isaiah Bradley because he didn't know. He didn't want to. This guy's old. He doesn't want to be, you know, tortured but by doing that he basically is erasing a narrative that would be so important to the lives of so many like African Americans and black people like his ignorance is the reason why Sam doesn't really like him and also his ignorance it adds to a more complicated you know friendship that he has with Sam and obviously we're not going to talk about what happens after that, but <laughs> the whole police thing and the whole like, oh my God, is this man bothering you, sir? <laughs> like
0: that was so blatant. That's that's one thing. I, I get what you're saying a hundred percent about the Isaiah Bradley scenes, but I hated them structurally because it was literally just the characters dropping everything and they're just staring into the camera and saying racism is. Bad And look at what we've done to African Americans. It reminds me of the experience of people not realising that the Tulsa Massacre of Black Wall Street actually happened. They saw that in the Watchmen TV series and they thought it was made up. But America did
1: that. And what's really fascinating to me and why I love the Isaiah Bradley storyline and him as a character is that he shows... He shows that pain and that torture, and that he, the actor is amazing. And when he speaks to Sam, he's angry, and he sees Bucky again. He's angry because when he says "them," "you guys," he doesn't mean Hydra. He he means white people. He means white America. And Bucky, I'm gonna say it, he is a representation of that. Like by by hiding the existence of Zai Bradley, he he basically contributes to that white ignorance. So yes, he is racist, but in a very interesting way he's not openly racist he just doesn't know that and that's that's quite a hot take but i i really really like that i i like that kind of dynamic and sam taking the initiative to understand that and to kind of really open up that that conversation But I actually read something very interesting. And it's an article written by a journalist called Joshua Adams. And he actually describes that Sam Wilson is actually aware of the discrimination that African-Americans face. But when a kid, when a black kid calls him the Black Falcon, he's like, I'm not the Black Falcon. I'm just the Falcon. He He doesn't openly confront race to white people. He confronts race to other black people but not white people. The only time he's seen talking about race is with other African-Americans, not with white people. He says, he's like, all right, racism is bad, but the show doesn't allow him to go further on to uphold the fact that he's black. The only time he says that is at the end of the series when he's like, do better. That speech, like he, he says, and I quote, I'm a black man carrying the stars and straps. What don't I understand? Every time I pick this thing up, I know there are millions of people who are going to hate me for it. Even now, here, I feel it. The stares, the judgement, and there's nothing I can do to change it. Yet I'm still here. No super serum, no blonde hair or blue eyes. The only power I have is that I believe we can do better. And it's very interesting because that do-better narrative is also very problematic.
0: No, no, that scene is so cringe though. But that first line just doesn't work. Oh, I'm a black guy and I'm picking up the the stars and stripes, what don't I understand? Uh, I don't know, maybe a lot about geo-international politics, you fuckhead! I mean, we haven't had half of our world suddenly disappear for five years and then come back, but I imagine that that's a lot of logistics that those people are handling. I don't think the Flag smashes and that plotline should be in Falcon and the Winter Soldier At all. At all. It does not suit. Because Falcon and the Winter Soldier is about Sam trying to reconcile his space as a black person, taking up the mantle of Captain America when America is a deeply racist nation. What the fuck does refugees in other countries have to do with that it's just a complete non-sequitur thematically thematically the Isaiah Bradley scenes work but structurally they don't and I guess kind of structurally the flag smash-ish it works but thematically it doesn't it's like you can't fucking win
1: it this it, it tries to tackle very hard topics but doesn't do it justice
0: and it tries to tackle these hard topics while having the shackles of being owned by disney exactly a company that refuses to go against the status quo despite the fact that this is a company worth billions of dollars they set the status quo they make all their money from defying the status quo but now all of a sudden they're just like don't want to have a gay character, don't want to talk about racism in any substantial way. It's, it's fucking, it's pussy shit.
1: <laughs> I actually, I do, it's it's the bare minimum to recognise that African-Americans have been through a lot and African-Americans need justice. That is the bare minimum. I mean, during a time where the Black Lives Matter movement and all of these movements are coming forth, it makes sense why they're doing that because the movement, the Black Lives Matter movement was actually hijacked by large corporations to appeal to a work audience. And that is what Disney is doing. And pi-
0: It's like Pride.
1: It, it's like Pride. It is
0: like Pride Month. Every June, companies just change their things, to, their logos into rainbows, but they're not gonna fucking do anything about like the gay people working for exactly. them or anything.
1: Disney has not done anything big for the african-american community and people of color at all all they've done is just give them representation that is the bare minimum they have all of these millions of billions of dollars they could have put that to funding to fundraising but they don't care they don't care large corporations do not care about people of color they do not care about queer people they do not care about any of these issues they just want to appeal to a woke audience to make money That is all they care about.
0: And it's the worst kind of woke audience. It's woke white liberals. They're not actually leftists. They just think they are because they kind of know how to use they them in a sentence. But even then, they don't. It's
1: true. And what's crazy is that I've been reading up a lot about other... What other, you know, black writers and journalists and other black people think about the show. And some of them love it, that's fine. But most of them that I've read don't like how race is just brushed upon. And when it is brushed upon, it is delved deep further, but then it it just kind of contradicts itself later on. And it just it does that in such a weird way. And it's it's just so weird to me. And I don't like that. And it I appreciate that they're brushing up on it. But at the same time, I, I just don't think it's done well. Take
0: what Martin Scorsese called Marvel films. He called them theme park rides. And theme park rides are fun. But you don't want to be doing a literature essay about race on a theme park. Especially because the theme park isn't going to get it right. Just embrace that you are dumb fun. But no, they can't because they they have to be better. They have to be good. They have to do better. Mm-hmm.
1: And what's really interesting is with Sam Wilson, he recognises that he deals with racism, but he doesn't actually have any of the candid conversations about race with anybody else, apart from his eyebrows. Exactly.
0: That's why I felt like structurally it just didn't work. It's
1: like, yeah. And I feel like they should have had these conversations instead of having a police officer go up to Sam, ask if Sam is bothering Bucky. Instead of having that scene... Have conversations with Bucky. Have a conversation with Bucky about race. Educate him. Obviously- Make
0: Bucky Barnes (laughs) racist.
1: And what's very interesting about the whole ordeal with Sam's speech is that Sam, Sam being Captain America isn't really treated as a nationalistic symbol. It's treated as a bridge, the divide of race, which the divide of minorities and majorities. That is what he's treated as. He's not treated as a person. He's not treated as a symbol he's treated as just that person that you can just what's what
0: what's the word between token minority but it's it's not token it's it's like the approachable um one. Like, it's
1: it's the model it's not really a model minority model model minority yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah that's basically what you're saying yeah, yeah? and
1: it's very int- yeah what he's treated as kind of like a model minority like he like he like sam wilson is basically a man of black excellence he had to work very hard to get to where he was and he he worked so hard to even reach the same caliber as Steve rogers and so when he had to claim the mantle he doesn't want to take it because all of that pain and all that trauma he went through as a black man in america is very interesting seeing the way they deal with it because sam by taking the mantle he basically is acknowledging the fact that like, America has a bad past, right? It has a very horrific past. And I like the fact that they touch on that. At the same time, what pushes Sam to claim the mantle is Aziah Bradley. If Aziah Bradley wasn't there, Sam wouldn't have taken it. And I respect that. I, I actually do respect that. But I don't like how the show treats him as a mere kind of model minority of black excellence. I don't like that. I feel like he should be a man who continues to have this conflict and if he he can still be captain america but still continue the conversation what does it mean to be american what does it mean to be a person who represents a part of america that america is trying to hide and something about the kind of dynamic between sam and bucky is that bucky just later on just changes his mind he's like yeah i understand you i'm sorry as a white man as a white person that i don't understand your struggles it's just me and steve just don't get it and we're sorry about that and i understand that but this is something that i've actually been doing a bit of research about that i actually find very interesting with the whole buddy cop genre so the buddy cop genre i find is very fascinating because there's always this whole kind of dynamic between there has to be a black man and a white man has to be two people from two different races like obviously there's buddy cop genres but there's you know it's monoracial but most times it's mainly interracial. In this 1992 essay, Restoring the Black Man's Lethal Weapon, Race and Sexuality in Contemporary Cop Films, Christopher Ames basically describes the basic modus operandi of the entire buddy cop genre. He basically talks about how American literature in the 19th and 20th centuries is kind of littered with a lot of examples of racial stereotyping. According to Ames, buddy cop movies try to invert this with a too convenient role reversal, right? so the white man becomes a dangerous or wild while the black man becomes a noble savage and he's routinely emasculated by his white partner who is much stronger and much more destructive and that's the same dynamic that you see with sam sam is basically the leader he's like the one that has his shit together right like he's just like doing what he needs to do. But Bucky is kind of like, oh, is he going to turn bad again? Or what is he going to do? Like, you know, he's kind of like that destructive white savage. And it's very interesting seeing that kind of dynamic and how that dynamic has always been in cinema for such a long time. We all know Rush Hour, right? I actually don't. I mean, like where it actually has a black man and an Asian lead it basically also um, inherently focuses on the idea of the Yellow Peril and the Oriental Evil. But uh, talking about the whole buddy cop genre, because that's the kind of genre that they're trying to encapsulate in the show, it's very interesting seeing that kind of dynamic with Sam and, and, and Bucky, don't you think?
0: Yeah, but I feel like sometimes there's two sides to it. Either they don't talk about race and they get lampooned for that, or they do talk about race and do it poorly. I mean, occasionally you get people talking about race and they do it right, but here we've got somebody who's just talking about race really fucking poorly. You you said that the showrunner is biracial, but on Letterboxd, the person who's credited is so white that they blend into my wall better than I do right now.
1: Carly's, um, I think Skogland or something like that. The writer himself, the showrunner, is Malcolm Spellman, he's biracial and I'm glad they had a biracial man as as the showrunner. And what I find very interesting about the show is although it tackles race, it also talks about the flag smashers, which are basically refugees. They shouldn't really be a part of the show because the show should be focused on race, but it's also focused on geopolitical issues of refugees and how Americans treat refugees and how Americans treat people who are not Americans. And it's very interesting because Marvel has a history of having sympathetic villains. I mean, I actually find the ideals of the Flag Smashers very relatable. Like, they want to open, like, they want the world to go back to how it was after the blip, when half the global population vanished and international borders were effectively evaporated.
0: Is that what they want? Yeah, that's what they want. That was something I was always confused about because the. I thought they just didn't like borders and they really hated how the refugee problem was being sorted. And I don't understand how their actions will help them achieve their goals. In the first episode, they're stealing a a truck full of vaccines and that subplot got dropped real hard the second the pandemic hit.
1: And what's very interesting is that refugees are literally treated as the villain. And you can see why people actually agree with her but there's something that is off about it because Marvel has a problem. They have a pattern of making sympathetic villains with interesting and good ideals and then making them and turning them into bad people because they kill people.
0: Yeah, which is interesting because the Avengers kill a lot of people, but all of a sudden when a villain does it, ooh, they're a villain now. The heroes are allowed to kill people the villains aren't exactly
1: and what's very fascinating is that villains are not allowed to be not to not allowed to have a morally gray area and obviously we know the flags. except loki except the flag smashers have valid goals they want a world without borders in which newly declared refugees can like easily find homes and it kind of mirrors a lot of the crises that people are actually combating in the real world and also the fact that there's the whole power brokey thing do you know that
0: the fact that people were calling that Sharon is the power broker just because she didn't have an Apple phone, that's, that's pretty fucking funny. The importance of the reputation of companies matters so much that to audiences, it now basically becomes a spoiler, because the villain... Can never be using the branded product of whoever's paying the production company the most money.
1: I actually do like where they went with Shanna's direction, even though it's very weird and just out of place. I- I'm going to be honest, China's character was very out of place. If you just took her out, it wouldn't really have mattered.
0: Exactly. Her character is the most useless in the entire MCU. And yeah, I'm including Christopher Eccleston in Thor 2 in that. Oh my okay? god. I hate her so much for no reason maybe i do hate women i'm kidding
1: what's really interesting is the fact that sharon has always been treated as a love interest she's always treated as useless she's never really there and when she's finally useful or tr- finally interesting she's just treated as like a villain afterwards she's like oh she's married very, very morally gray i don't know what's going on with her she's what a girl boss what a gatekeep gaslight girl boss moment i understand that They wanted Sharon to have a usefulness to her, and they wanted her to have a bigger role, which is why they made her the power broker. Steve basically just kind of threw her away. She gave up so much for him, basically became a fugitive for him, and he kind of threw her away for her auntie. What the fuck? And then... She later on becomes, you're going to see evil Sharon mode, where she basically becomes, like, a criminal and is selling state secrets because she can. That's, that's a bit weird. I don't understand the point of that, but okay, I guess.
0: Like, I know you've got issues with it because of the orientalism. Of Picchu. How cool was that as a concept? Out of nowhere, this cool crime city comes up. and I'm, I'm a slut for a crime city. It's... it's and they had cool John Wick moments. I wanna see so much more of this
1: place. I know, and what's very fascinating to me as well is the fact that Matroport is obviously it's obviously a made-up city, but it's also a mishmash of all these different Asian cultures and like crime, a city of crime has to look very orientalized because that's just how it should look. Also, the song that also played in the section where they're in it was actually a Filipino song as well. I know it's a made-up city. I understand that, but it's like a crime city. And of course, they just had to make it very orientalized. But it was a bit weird to me. I didn't think it was anything that bad. I was like, you know what? It's fine. It's fucking Marvel. I don't give give a shit. It looks cool.
0: It's one of those things where it's like, this isn't super offensive, but the vibes are weird.
1: Yeah, it's like the energy is kind of weird. And, oh, oh my God. Can we just go back and reverse it back to Bucky Barnes for a hot moment and that Asian girl? That Asian girl?
0: The one that appears and then disappears and then appears again at the end.
1: I don't know. It wasn't done well and I didn't like Bucky's entire arc. Oh, God, no. And then he later on flirted with Sam's sister And I was like, okay.
0: He loves pussy. Yes,
1: he does.
0: (laughs) Also, that's another plot line that could have been dropped. The whole boat thing. Oh my god! That
1: boat building episode.
0: When you have all these plot lines and you need to drop one, and then you don't drop any of them, and then you have a whole episode dedicated to rebuilding an old. Boat, you're fucked up a little.
1: It's the fact that the fucking, I understand that you want to have Sam as a character but it's just, you have all these other plot threads that are going on that aren't actually resolved and when they are resolved, they're resolved very badly at the last episode and you have this filler episode which is useless like i understand why people loved it and why it was the best episode why but why why was it there why was there a boat what was the boat used for
0: why would you have a filler episode when you only have six episodes it's
1: fan service that's what it was it was fan service it was basically meant to be for the Sam Bucky shippers and i love that i am i am now a Sam Bucky shipper because of that okay i love it it's great it's gay it's beautiful it's pride month but why?
0: It's a fun episode for character building, but it doesn't work. And this is really weird, but I would have liked it a lot more if they just had one shot of an alligator.
1: <gasps> yes.
0: I I would have I would have, not shitting you, bumped it up like, half a star. Oh, my God. I'm not being unreasonable. I'm not asking for an American crocodile, because American crocodiles only live in the Everglades in Florida, which is the only place on Earth where crocodiles and alligators live in the same habitat. Oh, my God, cute. Fun fact for you. But I am such (laughs) a slut. For, For these scaly boys... That if they had done that, I would have liked it more, but they didn't because it's so bland and sterile that they wouldn't even send a B unit out to go find a
1: gator. I know. I just, we just need a fucking gator. I need,
0: I need a crocodilian in my life. Which
1: is our next fucking movie we're going to be doing a next potty episode about. Talk about it, Nick.
0: Yeah, yes. Um. This is on my letterboxed top four. It lives in my heart, and it is the Crocodile Hunter movie, Croc Hunter Collision Course.
1: I it is love the Steve
0: it. Irwin movie, and I'm really excited that you suggested we do a Croc movie next. I actually.
1: Because w- you
0: suggested do a Croc movie. I
1: want to do a Croc. <laughs> so I'm I like, kind of want to do a Croc movie. Let's pick
0: the best one. Because
1: I want to do a Croc movie. Because uh, I don't want to do any more superhero things. Because I'm done. I'm so done with superheroes.
0: I'm really interested as to what you have to say to it. Because I'm really open to criticism to it. Because I know it's not like a good movie, but it's a movie that lives in my heart, and I'm really excited about it.
1: I am. I'm. I'm. I'm very excited to see it because I've heard some very interesting things about it. I want to see. How this movie goes? Oh my god, I complete. I completely forgot about my roasting of Sebastian Stan. Holy shit!
0: Do you want to roast him now?
1: Fuck yeah! Okay, I fucking hate him. I can't believe I used to simp over this man. He's so cringe. I hate him. I hate him so much. His Instagram is just a hot mess. And also the fact that he's basically a boomer now. He actually is a boomer. Like I will actually make fun of this man forever. I don't care. I do not like him. See, whenever I see his face, I'm so mad. Like, I genuinely am, like, so mad.
0: I, I can't believe that I know that I can't believe that I used to. I also can't believe that you used to, oh, I and I reckon you can't believe that you oh, used to. Geez. We both used to stand the stand.
1: We used to stand the stand. I can't believe we used to. He's. Uh, it's not like he's okay, like he had. He does have like a very problematic vibe to him, which I'm. He does have a problematic vibe. Like he, he, all of his girlfriends have been racist. He kind of has a subtle racist vibe, especially against Asians, and like it's just very weird. But I can't believe I used to be in love with this man. And now my, t- my type of man has been the opposite of him.
0: I have put so many films on my watch list just because of him. I haven't taken them off, but every time I go to my watch list, I see that. I'm like, why is that on my watch list? And it's like, oh, it's because Sebastian stands in it. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> I got to take this off.
1: I've watched some of his films that I actually have recently come out like endings and beginnings and it's basically i'm just saying it's just basically him having sex with women that's literally it that's all the characters he play it's just him having sex with hot women and i'm like i don't care about your hetero agenda bitch let me see some proper content okay i don't i want to see him get killed more
0: but um until next time when we talk about crocodile hunter collision course yeah. starring steve and terry Irwin. You can find us on all our social medias that are linked down below in the description, as well as all of our sources by these lovely writers. Uh, Bye. Bye.